I'm Rose Aguilar, and this is your call. We are less than a week away from the March 5th primary. Three House Democrats are vying for the late Dianne Feinstein Senate seat, Barbara Lee, Adam Schiff, and Katie Porter. The top two vote-getters on March 5th will be on the ballot in November. You can find yesterday's interview with Representative Barbara Lee at yourcallradio.org. Tomorrow, Representative Adam Schiff will join us for the first 30 minutes. We begin today's show by discussing Representative Katie Porter's record. Representative Porter's campaign declined our invitation for a live interview, but we did want to talk about her record. She's been in Congress since 2019, representing Orange County in Southern California. She is best known for serving on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, where she regularly grills the CEOs of multinational corporations about everything from CEO pay and stock buybacks to record profits and inflated drug prices. Representative Katie Porter has been endorsed by California Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, Assemblymember Buffy Wicks of Oakland, the National Union of Healthcare Workers, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and the San Francisco Chronicle. According to Politico, campaign finance records show Representative Adam Schiff with more than $13 million in his campaign account in mid-February, compared with Katie Porter's less than $5 million. Joining us to discuss her record is Shira Stein, D.C. correspondent for the San Francisco Chronicle. Shira Stein covers national politics and policy with a focus on the impacts on California. Hi, Shira. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me on. And just to be clear for listeners, the editorial board endorsement of her by the Chronicle, completely separate from the news side, I had no involvement in that. Yes. Well, thank you for mentioning that. (laughs) So you have compared the voting records of all of the candidates and you found that they have voted mostly the same, except on a a few key issues. Of course, the ceasefire in Gaza really stands out. Uh, Barbara Lee was first to call for that ceasefire. And then Katie Porter came on board. Adam Schiff still has not called for a ceasefire. And we will talk about that with him tomorrow. So tell us where Katie Porter diverges from Barbara Lee and Adam Schiff. Yeah, the three of them are very similar, I would say, in terms of their actual votes. Um, Looking at some of the statistics of I I analyzed their voting records and they overwhelmingly vote the same, um, except for on a few key issues particularly like foreign policy, the military, and um, some immigration issues. Um, They all are like very solid Democrats. They vote with the Democratic Party the most of the time. That's why they all have very similar voting records. Um, Porter has often sort of worked on making herself stand out, um, particularly on issues of consumer protection. She was a consumer protection attorney. That's sort of what her background is in. And so that's why you think of her with the, you know, the whiteboards, um, speaking to CEOs and things like that. Um, so she's, she's made that big point of this election is, you know, the fact that she's never taken corporate PAC money, um, that she's trying kind of, you know, kind of, She's portraying herself as an outsider. Um, she's not as much of a longtime Washington person as the two other Democrats, but she has been in Washington the last several years. So it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic in this race that, you know, it's it's really about what priority does California do Californians want their next senator to have? So she has been in Congress since 2019, whereas Schiff and Lee have been there for more than two decades. I don't know much about Katie Porter's foreign policy record. What can you share with us? Yeah, it's definitely 
shorter than, than the other two um, and especially less extensive than Barbara Lee, who has been you know, extremely active on foreign policy over her career. You know, she's one of the the delegates to the United Nation on behalf of um, the Biden administration. Um, Porter's like the main thing right now is her position on the war in Gaza. Um, when it comes to, to foreign policy, she sort of people have said that she sort of waffled. She sort of plays both sides of it, saying that she supports a ceasefire um, but also saying that, you know, we still have to do certain things. She also has, you know, raised the issue that more of the focus should be put on Iran in, in these issues. So it's 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 interesting. It's definitely a not too extensive record that she has in foreign policy. It's just that some of the votes that they have diverged on have been on foreign policy issues. Right. I mean, she's new to foreign policy, really, because, as you say, her focus is really on consumer protection issues. And if you want to read more, there are some articles. I just found one, Why Katie Porter Sounds Like a Republican on Iran and Hamas. This is by Politico. I, I have not read this, but I was just searching for some articles about her and foreign policy. I also just want to give out the phone number because we're going to be talking about Katie Porter's record for the first half of the show. Then we'll talk about Prop 1 in the second half of the show. So if you have any questions about Katie Porter's record. Unfortunately, she did not, her team did not agree uh, to have her come on for a live interview, but we wanted to talk about her record. What are your thoughts about Katie Porter? Are you voting for her? If you'd like to talk about who you're going to vote for and why, we'd love to hear from you. The top two vote getters on March 5th will go will be on the November ballot. So it's such an important race. And we're reading articles, unfortunately, about low voter turnout expectations on March 5th. So please tell everyone you know to vote. It is so important to vote on these important issues. You can give us a call at 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at kalw.org. Shira, we don't spend that much time on polling on this show. But it is interesting to look at what's playing out here. So Adam Schiff, according to the polls, is in the lead. And we talked yesterday about Adam Schiff putting Republican Steve Garvey in his ads to kind of give him a bump. And it seems like it's worked because according to polls, Katie Porter and Steve Garvey are neck and neck. And then Barbara Lee is in fourth. Uh, Barbara Lee just has not raised as much money as Porter and Schiff. She also doesn't have as much national attention like on the cable shows as they do. What are your thoughts about how that's all playing out? Yeah, and I do just want to make a point since we were talking about foreign policy. Um, most of the work of senators is not about foreign policy. It is about domestic policy. You know, they do have a responsibility regarding funding, um, but that is not necessarily the most important thing. Um, I think when it comes to fundraising and sort of the polling numbers, a really, really important thing to think about is I am tend to be pretty skeptical of polling because as we saw in 2016, it's not always exactly, exactly accurate. Um, the most recent poll that just came out, um, uh, earlier this week, polling has a, has a margin of error that had a 3.3% margin. That means that shifts a little bit ahead of the other candidates, but but Porter and Garvey are virtually tied for second place with the margin of error. Um, they're in a statistical dead heat. So I think that's that's really important to point out. Um, when it comes to Barbara Lee, you know, she's talked about this. I've talked to other folks about this. 
it is traditionally very hard for black women and women of color to raise money when they're running for Congress. So that's that's one factor. Another factor is that she is the oldest of the three running. And after what I reported on, what a lot of voters saw with Senator Feinstein, that is a huge concern. You know, I've talked to voters who say, oh, I really like her policies, but she's just she's just too old. Um, I would say she is the most vital 76 or 77 year old I've ever met in my entire life. Um, but that is that is a concern for some voters. Um, and then, you know, the the issue of national profile, Barbara Lee has tended to be someone who kind of puts her head down and does her work. Um, and that's not to say that Schiff and Porter are not, but um, Schiff does do it, has spent a lot of time on cable TV in the last few years around the Trump um, presidency and the insurrection. Um, and Katie Porter is really good at getting viral moments. So I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to this. Um, but those are, those are some of them. I think also, you know, the Democratic Party establishment has largely coalesced around Schiff. Um, so Porter and Lee are sort of fighting for everything else. And so that's, that's an important factor to keep in mind. Right. So Schiff has the support of Nancy Pelosi and other top Democrats. It was interesting to learn that Katie Porter has been endorsed by Senator Scott Weiner and Assemblymember Buffy Wicks. Yeah, yeah. Porter um, and Lee, I think, to some extent, have have focused a lot less on endorsements. I've written about this Um Endorsements mean a little bit, but they, I think they don't mean very much to most voters. Um, so I don't necessarily know that I would take, you know, the extensive number of endorsements that Schiff has as like a key marker. Um, but it does, it does matter. You know, it speaks to their ability to work with others. Um, there are a couple of people who have endorsed multiple candidates, um, which I think should not be doing, um, but, you know, members of Congress and things like that. But, um, I think that is less of a factor for most voters. I think most voters right now really care about a couple of things. They, they, Democratic voters are very, very motivated by the issue of the war in Gaza, as we just saw in the Michigan primary yesterday. Um, vote, Democratic voters in California really care about issues like housing and homelessness and crime. And so I think a lot of this campaign has been focused on some of those kind of wonkier policy issues. Um, rightfully so, because California voters are are smart and are and really deeply care about the issues and not just who's on TV the most. Right. Well, to your point about what's going on in Gaza, we have an email from Margaret who says, uh, I have reevaluated because of what's happening in Gaza. As Margaret writes, the ongoing genocide in Gaza and our government complicity in it led me to reevaluate. Supporting an immediate ceasefire is now my litmus test. I cannot in good conscience support Katie Porter. It's sickening to see this so-called progressive take a trip to Israel in 2023 paid for by APAC. And after meeting with the right wing, Bibi Netanyahu came out and said she was extremely impressed. And if you want to read about this, I just found a piece from Mondo Weiss uh, about this trip that Katie Porter took. Also, Jewish Insider. It, it got a lot of attention. You can find that online. To your other point about some of these issues that people in California really care about, of course, the homeless crisis, drug crisis, housing affordability. You have an in-depth plan, which I so appreciate because we really <laughs> like to focus on actual issues. 
about her housing plan. This was really interesting to read. As you report, it includes proposals to increase housing supply, make purchasing a home possible for more families, and provide more assistance to low-income renters. She also wants to create a select committee on housing. So there's so much in here. You also spoke with housing advocates about her plan. What really stood out for you? Yeah. Um, and I, I should say my colleague, Joe Garefully, also reported on Representative Schiff's pretty extensive housing plan, which I think, you know, I was talking to some of these housing experts and they were like shocked. And I was like, oh, yeah, housing is one of the most important policy issues in California right now, because typically it's not seen as a national issue. I think some of the aspects of her plan could get bipartisan support. At least that's what housing experts who work on this issue told me. Um, Some of the issues are some of the things that she wants to do are really just about adding additional funding. And that's not something Republicans will ever support. Um, You mentioned the select committee on housing. There are multiple committees of jurisdiction over housing issues. Creating a committee does not actually guarantee any real action. Um, but she does have some really interesting proposals. Um, she suggested having a tax credit for building and renovating starter homes, and that could have a substantial impact on supply and tax credits tend to get more support for Republicans than they, than, you know, direct spending would. Um, so that's something that I could totally see moving in a potential future Congress where she is a Senator, um, I also think, you know, allowing like she wants to create a federal program to assist low income families with down payments. California already has this um, other places. Some other places do as well. Um, But I I don't see something like like that happening because that would require a lot of spending. Um, And then there's some things, you know, one of the big things discussions right now is addressing some of the local zoning regulations that really have an impact on preventing or allowing for more housing to be built. Um, That's something that's already happening in California and in a lot of states, you know, discussions about zoning. But I, I think, you know, encouraging more of those discussions could help with some of the housing issues um, that so many Californians face right now. It was also interesting to learn that she wants the government to release buildable land that they own to allow for housing development. And as you report, California is already in the midst of identifying state land to build on, but the federal government owns large tracts of land that could be ripe for similar moves. Yeah, that one was was also interesting. I mean, a lot of the ideas that she had are things that California is already doing and that she would want to nationalize or federalize. Um, For that one, somebody I was talking to suggested, you know, it'd be really helpful if there could be some sort of systemic review because the government, the Government Accountability Office, which manages all federal land and building, owns so much land across the United States. And if there was some sort of systemic review to look at, okay, what land is buildable? What land are we not using, et cetera? That could be, that could be something that has more of an impact than you know, even just pushing governments. It's having some sort of systemic review could actually lead to some of that land being discussed for, for releasable building land. Um, you know, in California, some of the issues is about, is about, building, the cost of building is also really high. And so she talked about using 3D printing or modular construction. Um, But it's just, 
housing is such a complicated issue and requires so much input from the state and local level that anything the federal government tries to do um, is going to take it's going to take a bit and um, will require a lot of input further down. And then for renters, her plan would fund housing vouchers for eligible renters and create a program to help seniors and college students lock in rental rates. Yeah, those are those are pretty unlikely to happen. Um, it's using it's basically using a lot of money to help people pay their to to fund Section Eight vouchers fully. Um, it's the Housing Choice Voucher Program. A lot of people have probably heard of Section Eight vouchers. Um, right now, there is evidence that you know there's only a I think it's like a third or a fourth of people who are eligible for Section 8 vouchers actually receive one because of a lack of funding. Um, but I think it's pretty unlikely we see Republicans allow that sort of extensive funding. She also suggested an idea to like allow college students to lock in rental rates for four years or have seniors put down part of their retirement savings in exchange for locking in long-term rental rates. That one's sort of unclear exactly how she would want to do it. Um, if it would be a voucher, I think that would also be really, really costly. So I think a lot of these, a lot of these issues, a lot of the ideas that she and Schiff and and Lee have have all put out. It's the devil's in the details is always what experts tell me about these things. But I think it's really important that we're having this conversation because every time I talk to voters, housing is such an important and huge issue. Shira Stein is D.C. correspondent for the San Francisco Chronicle, and she has written a number of articles about the upcoming Senate race, looking at where candidates stand on actual issues. We've been talking about her piece about housing. And if you'd like to join us, the toll-free number is 866-798-8255. You can also email your call at KALW.org. Let's hear from Witten in Sonoma. Hi, Witten. Welcome to the show. Uh, good afternoon. How are you? I'm enjoying the program. How are you? Good. Thank you. So my question, I, I do like Porter of all the candidates. I absolutely do. My question is, uh, with her limited experience in foreign policy, where does she stand with immigration? And kind of a two question, if President, uh, if Donald Trump becomes president, how would she work with him mm-hmm. <laughs> as a Democrat? <sighs> Well, thank you for those questions. Uh, do you want to take the question about immigration first? Yeah, immigration is one of the issues that she has disagreed with um, Schiff in particular on. Um, so there was a there were some measures. Um, I'm looking at something from 2019 where there was an amendment to prevent unaccompanied migrant children from being housed in DOD facilities. Um, Schiff supported that, and she. Uh, did not. Um, another one was was Schiff supporting an amendment that year aimed at prohibiting the president from using federal funds to detain undocumented immigrants. Um, so that's that's sort of been another one. Um, Can again, just, it's I, I yeah. I think this is so important given that this hardly gets attention. So I just want to be clear. And from your article in 2019, so Katie Porter opposed an amendment. So she opposed this amendment to prevent unaccompanied migrant children from being housed in DOD facilities. Yes, that is that is correct. It's hard because amendments are such sort of a minute thing. That amendment also failed. It did not get added to the bill that I wanted, but she 
you know, voted against some other members of her, her and about uh, 34 other members, uh, 34 other Democrats voted against that amendment. So it's really hard when it's that minute of a vote. There's a lot of like big votes that people hear about, but they hear a lot less about amendments. Um, it's really hard to know exactly what her reasoning was behind that. But yeah, I think immigration is an issue that she has not talked about pretty extensively. And I I would be really curious to hear her talk about more since it's obviously an issue that's getting a lot more attention right now with all of the things that the, the Biden administration um, is doing on or not doing on this issue right now. Right. I, I don't have enough information to talk about this, but I have seen headlines over the last day. Uh, Katie Porter says the horrific Georgia killing should not shape our overall immigration policy. Um, for those who have not heard of, about this, a 22-year-old nursing student, Lakin Riley, was found dead Thursday after her roommate reported turn from a morning run on the University of Georgia campus. And the suspect is a Venezuelan citizen who U.S. authorities say crossed into the U.S. in 2022. I mean, it's a horrific story. I don't know enough about it to talk about it. Have you been following this, Shira? I hadn't. I hadn't. But I think it's pretty typical for Democrats to say, you know, we shouldn't make our entire immigration system about the the bad apples, as as they might refer to it. You know, somebody who came into the country um, illegally and may have, you know, committed a crime. Um, So I think that's that's pretty typical. I I think I would really want to hear, like, what are what is her petition position on Title 42? Where does she stand on opening and closing the border? I think some of those questions she hasn't answered or at least hasn't answered thoroughly enough for me to to know exactly what she's what she's saying on that front. I know we have to let you go in three minutes. Um, I wanted to ask you if you know anything about these YouTube ads. We're getting some questions about these. I just oh, found yeah. this in Gizmodo. Um, I didn't know anything about this, but let me we've, just read We've written it. about this. Uh, as, we've written about this as well. Oh, you have? Okay, great. So can you just give us the background here? What's going on with these ads against Katie Porter and who's funding them? Yeah, so there's a pro-cryptocurrency super PAC that is funding it. Ads against her. Um, it's not super clear exactly why they've chosen her. Um, I think it's probably because Schiff has tended to be more pro crypto, and right now, basically, it's it's very likely that Adam Schiff gets into the top two. The question, the open question right now, is who is the second person? Um, it could be Katie Porter, which then we have a dem on dem race, and we're going to get really complicated into policy issues, and it will be expensive. But I think it will results in a more interesting race um, or it's Schiff versus Garvey and the race is basically over at that point because Republicans have pretty much no shot of winning a statewide election in California. Um, so so I think right now what we're seeing is we're seeing sort of a, a fight from people who support Schiff um, or the Schiff campaign themselves to try and get the other person in the top two to be Garvey so that he is basically he's done at that point. He doesn't have to campaign nearly as hard. So I think this this pro cryptocurrency group is trying to you know get voters to not vote for Porter so that Schiff ends up in the top two with Garvey. Um, they talked about this actually at the debate last week um, that I watched, and um, Porter definitely definitely hit Schiff on that a few times. Um, so I think it's some of these ads and things like that can be really confusing for voters. So I think it's always important to not just look at 
okay, what's the ad about? But who is the ad being sent by? Um, things like that. So, you know, looking at who's spending this money. Um, that ad also, one of the claims that it makes in it that I think is is really key is it says that Porter takes her campaign cash directly from big pharma, big oil, and big bank executives. Um, I think this is one of those things that, you know, the way the words you use matters. Um, she has taken money from some executives at a pharmaceutical company, a oil company, and a bank. However, the pharmaceutical company and the oil company are not members of the industry lobbying groups. So, so to her, that's not big pharma or big oil because they are smaller companies that are not members of the main lobbying groups. The third one, Royal Business Bank. Um, doesn't meet the definition of what's known as a systematically important financial institution or, you know, bank that's quote unquote too big to fail. Um, so she is, she's basically saying that these, these institutions are not big bank, big pharma, big oil. Um, now, do, do, does that difference matter to voters? I think it remains to be seen. Um, but I'd be really curious to hear, like, do, do you care that she accepted a hundred thousand dollars from, you know, executives at a small pharmaceutical company and a small bank. Um, is that the most important issue that matters to you? Well, Shira, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your reporting. Thank you so much. Shira Stein is DC correspondent for the San Francisco Chronicle. You can find her pieces at yourcallradio.org. And and just going back to these ads, because we know that the dark money out there is just getting worse by the year. So according to Gizmodo, this ad that is running, uh, it's, it's slamming Katie Porter. It says the real Katie Porter, a fake. It was purchased by a political action committee called Fair Shake. And according to Gizmodo, Ripple Labs and Coinbase have donated more than $20 million. Venture capitalists Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz of the firm A16Z have donated $9.5 million apiece. And, and I would say that one of the reasons why this is happening is because taxes are going to become an issue if Katie Porter runs against Adam Schiff. I mean, she's constantly talking about uh, millionaires and billionaires who are not paying taxes, about corporations that do not pay taxes. Um, She supports the billionaire's tax. And that's one reason why, obviously, they do not want her to come in second place. So I think that's important to touch on. Uh, So I hope that answers your question about Fair Shake. We got a few emails about that. Alice writes, why did Katie Porter's campaign decline the invitation to be on the show? It would have been a free opportunity for her to reach out to a wider Bay Area audience. We donated to her campaign, but this unwillingness to take part makes us reconsider our support. Your information about her lack of support for a ceasefire is revealing. Thank you for these important and well-timed programs about the Senate candidates. Well, it is important to tell you what goes on behind the scenes. So we began reaching out to the candidates about, oh, I'd say a month or so ago. And um, Katie Porter's people were just very hard to reach. And we emailed them, we called regularly, and they got back to us finally and just said that her schedule is too busy and she couldn't join us. So that's what happened. We also asked every candidate for an hour 
we know that they're busy, but the fact is they want to represent this massive state of California, and we think they should come on for an hour to take your questions. Uh, Representative Barbara Lee came on for about 20, 25 minutes, and we're hoping that uh, Adam Schiff will stay with us for the first half tomorrow. So that's what went on behind the scenes, just to let you know. Uh, You can find the interview with Barbara Lee online at yourcallradio.org. We did that yesterday, and then Adam Schiff will be with us for the first half tomorrow. The second half, we will talk about his record. Coming up after a break, we will talk about Proposition 1, which would authorize $6 billion in bonds for mental health treatment facilities and provide housing for homeless people. Governor Gavin Newsom is the largest supporter of Prop 1. His opponents are concerned that they will lose resources if voters pass the measure. This is your call. We'll be back after this.